Andy, what are you doing? <sighs> what? What are you doing except coke? Isn't coke, man? <sighs> Can't tell? Sniffing gas, man, gasoline! That sounds very healthy for you. Uh, gotta get my, uh, gotta get my dose, man. I'm running for president. That makes strangely sense. <sighs> you know we don't have a president, right? Podcast Yggdrasil. Gonna fly now. And we're back. This is not a singing podcast. Matthew, have you seen the Rocky movies? I'm not thinking about the seeing part. I'm thinking about the hearing part. How dare you? Hey, that's the title of our last episode. <laughs> How dare we? Okay, we're back. Yes. So, Matthew, what are we talking about today? What joyous, sunshiny subject are we covering? Politicians. Oof, that's already sad. And what specific part of politicians are we covering? About how... Right now, it seems that the dumber you are as a politician, the, the better you do. Like oh. The, the Boris Johnsonification yeah. of people. The Boris Johnson, Johnsoning, John, Johnsonification. <laughs> I'm I getting more like a politician any day, any, every moment. It's, you know, I mean, by all means, I'm not the guy who are thinking that mocking leaders' hair are the most productive part, but, you know, it's interesting that. A guy that probably has, you know, a hairstylist that's getting paid more than any one of us gets paid for a year. Like, looks like that, hair-wise. Yeah, I and think... it's part of an image. Yeah. Uh, like you said, today's episode is about how it seems to have become kind of a trend, almost, among politicians to dumb themselves down in order to do better in politics. And... Well, like you dragged up, uh, Boris Johnson is the first to come to mind for me. Uh, I think a lot of people are tempted to say Donald Trump. Yes. But I think there's a critical difference there, because Boris Johnson, he seems like a... Okay, I don't have, I don't have the stomach to call him smart, but he's at least shrewd enough to use stupidity as a tool. While Donald Trump seems to use stupidity like he uses most tools poorly <laughs> but yeah I, it, it doesn't seem as intentional on trump's part so yeah i think i interrupted you you were on a tangent yeah i mean you know one thing is the way they you know try to relate to you know average folk so to speak that that makes sense you know you want to reach the voter at the level at they are but there's also, you know, like, you know, the last election for Boris Johnson, he, like, hid in a cupboard or some shit to get away from, like, uh, some reporters. And it feels kind of weird that, you know, somehow these things makes them more relatable to people and make people think, you know, hmm, that's, that's the person I want to be in charge of the country. And, you know, to put things in a kind of different perspective, like... Norway's most relatable politician. That's like <laughs> who is that? Publicly, kind of one, one guy. You know, the leader of Centre Partia. <laughs> oh, okay. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess it was this really interesting thing where like he's done really well for his party, 
That's true. Before last election. And then, you know, he he wanted to take the leap to, like, you know, run as prime minister, a possible prime minister candidate. I want to be the biggest minister of them all. And, you know, instantly, like, you know, everybody was like, I mean, sure, I'll have a beer with you, but, you know, you, you can't run a country. You're not that kind of person. And maybe that's kind of just, like, how some people view it in the, like, you know, the elites of Norway, even though, you know, after a period of, like, going up a lot, suddenly they came down. But I feel like for a lot of, like, political candidates acting or displaying incompetence somehow makes them endearing. I think uh, I think it comes from... Actually, I think it comes quite a bit from the success of Donald Trump. <laughs> uh, and I hate to drag up his name again, but I think he... I think he popularized and, you know, um, I think he... Oh, uh, the Norwegian word is ufarliere. I, I think he uh, he removed poli- politician fear of looking stupid or looking ordinary or simple. I think that's where it, where it lies. Because, uh, like you said, uh, you brought up a few examples. Uh, Boris Johnson and his hair. Uh, the fact that he hid in a cupboard or something uh, as, you know, some kind of publicity stunt. Uh, and just acting like a simpleton kind of yeah uh i think because like you know acting the part isn't necessarily new like you know it was this classical thing with you know bush that you know he seemed like you know just an average person that you could hang out with that you know probably never finished college or you know like he never by all means trump has brought this to life but it's this weird thing where now it's not only like the way they act, but you know, yeah, like I said, you know, his hair, how they, you know, it's almost like, you know, if they act like children, that is a good thing. And these are people who should, you know, I mean, you would expect some sort of level of professional ability from them. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, but I mean, it's very intentional. I mean, it's been well documented that Boris Johnson he he knows exactly what he's doing when he's when he's tousling his hair for example ruffling up his hair yeah. he does that before each inter- interview every time he appears on TV right before he goes on uh, he you know roughs up his hair uh, I think the reason they do it is simply because well like I said I, I brought up Donald Trump what was the big thing about Donald Trump you know aside from you know rape and corruption. It was that he wasn't like other politicians. For good or ill, whatever whatever you think of him, he isn't like other politicians. And I think this, yeah, Boris Johnson, for example, the reason he does that is because when people imagine a politician, what they imagine is this slick business suit. Uh, Democrats. Yeah, fixed up, you know, professional looking person. The kind of, the kind of person you kind of asked for. But... A lot of people are sick of that. A lot of people are, they're looking at that image of that politician and thinking that, yeah, that's what, uh, he or she is one of those elites, one of those people who who have raised themselves above me. And I think that looking up mentality uh, has kind of, 
yeah, passed over into how they view politicians. So they know that, hey, if I can make myself look less like the stereotypical image of a politician, that means I'm different from the rest of them. And a lot of people are sick of politicians. So just sticking out a bit, no matter, even if it's just looking like a dumbass, uh, that can be a positive because you're not like the others. And uh, yeah. I actually don't think that's the reason at all. Like, I'm not saying that there's not some truth to that because there's definitely been, you know, there's always been this big drag between, you know, do you want to come off as, you know, professional statesman-like? Or do you want to come off as somebody who can relate to, you know, the big groups you're trying to reach? Like, that's why somebody carrying hot sauce around in their pockets at all times, apparently. But I think this is actually a different thing. Hillary Clinton, if anyone's wondering. Way, which is the fact that they're trying to seem non-threatening. Like, these are people who could seriously fuck up your life with the power they have and i think yeah they want to make themselves relatable not necessarily relatable i think they like yeah, what if you like humans with with trump there was this interesting thing and i think you know this kind of pits to him that we, we all almost had this you know idea when he came into office that you know he's not going to be that dangerous because he's fucking incompetent he don't know how to get a bill to Senate. He don't know what he's doing. And I think there's kind of something to that, that, you know, if this guy, you know, it's not about, you know, his hair being so lousy. So, you know, ah, yes, I don't dress myself like you because in some ways that kind of feels insulting. But I think it's more like when the leaders feel <laughs> incompetent, you, you don't fear the same thing how they can affect you because they feel like you know they're not really going to be able to do much because they're, they're just bumbling idiots and if you know you know those people we, we know that they're anything but yeah I mean I'm sure there's that's a part of it like especially the part about seeming less dangerous I think that's true but do you really think that pe most people think that way do they think hey can this person hurt me <laughs> I mean, probably not directly, but, you know, think of it this other way, you know, like Boris Johnson looking like, you know, he just got out of bed. Like, I mean, is that, you know, the best way to look relatable? Like, that's basically saying that, you know, average people don't groom themselves or look in the mirror. I, it's it's not that, but like you said, so, so it makes you seem less dangerous, it's, more it's approachable. Something, it's something more, it's something that, you know, because this new form of incompetence isn't, you know, it isn't relatability as much as it is like being clueless. Being? Uh, being clueless about, you know, the things that you're doing and their understanding of how things are functioning. I think you're being too harsh in your interpretation, or yeah, maybe not harsh, but I don't, I don't think I agree with that interpretation of how people view these politicians. Uh, I do think the part about them feeling less dangerous is spot on. But I think it's more to do with the fact that they feel, by doing those things, they feel like more relatable or more, more maybe not more relatable, but like they have their shoulders lowered a bit. Like, yeah, 
I can I can laugh at myself. I can have some flaws. I'm not that concerned with how I look like most politicians are. I think it's all part of that facade. It's I'm different. I'm more like you. I'm a regular person. <laughs> look at me. I messed up messed up my hair today. Uh, I think I think that's part of it. And take Boris Johnson for example. I, I don't know if you um, did you see um, oh, uh, John Oliver's uh, segment on Boris Johnson? Yeah, he had an entire main segment, 20 minutes about Boris Johnson. And one of the episodes he one of the incidents he brought up was uh, when um, Boris Johnson was asked what his hobbies are. And do you know that what his answer was? I have many tempting ideas, but probably yeah. not one. Uh, I think I believe his answer was that he likes he enjoys painting miniature buses filled with people and passengers. And that seemed... That, that sounds legit like something he might enjoy doing. That's exactly it, right? Because it's quirky. It's weird. It oh. catches your attention and... I it... was more thinking that, like, he likes controlling people and putting them in, you know, places in his house, but okay. Well, well, yeah, the thing is, I mean, I'm sure most people kind of laughed at that. <laughs> he likes painting miniature buses. But what, what people eventually caught on to is the fact that uh, do you remember when during the Brexit uh, vote, uh, he had a big, big red bus with some riding on it, rolling around England? It was something about. I, I think it was a it was a big red bus, and it had written on the side of it, uh, "The UK sends two hundred million pounds every month to refugees or some shit." Like basically, just a big, big lie about foreign aid, and. Somehow those Many that money didn't come back after they left. Yeah, the weird that. But the thing about this hobby of his, painting buses, that might have been a, just a scheme in order to, when you know, when people, uh, when people Google Boris Johnson and buses, it might, you know, yeah. replace the less, <laughs> the less satisfactory story from uh, about the bus he had running Some, around. Forty uh, level moves. Yeah. So I think it's a lot more intentional and I think I think the purpose is to oh I mean you know, it's definitely intentional uh, yeah I know you weren't saying that but I think I, I don't think it's about uh, giving off an air of incompetence in itself because like what I'm thinking is if I wanted to be you know relatable and I mean it's there's two ways essentially to be relatable the only one way is to be fake but to be it in like a way that everybody can identify with and you don't necessarily have to be fake it might fit your persona and then it goes better but you know you would do things like you know going out to bars and having a pint and you know posting that to instagram and i mean it's especially way easier to do this now because if you were going to do this like 20 years ago you kind of had to bring a photo crew but now you can like do it naturally and you know put out content and like engage with people and I, I would say that would be a good thing you know go out to places communities and engage with them and then you have like you know the other part which is more like you know the the Bernie Sanders approach which is basically not trying to be anything you're not and therefore coming off authentic in the areas you are because like it's not like you brought hot sauce because mm. you don't eat hot sauce and let's not try and pretend otherwise and you know Rather make, make a joke about, you know, how 
non-spicy food you are able to eat. I'm with her, Matthew. <laughs> I bet you are. Uh, uh, no. And there's so many, you know, things you could do to be relatable. And maybe this is just, you know, me not realizing how certain things makes you relatable. But it's some very, like, you know, showing up to church and making sure, you know, like, you know, doing those kinds of things can make you relatable in a community. But this is more like, you know, looking so different or acting so different that it's not only that, you know, you're no longer the fancy business suit kind of person, because I totally get, you know, not giving that impression. But this is like another extreme. This isn't it's not trying to seem like regular Joe. It's like pushing even further. Yeah, but I, I don't think that because I'm totally with you that uh, seeming You're with him seeming incompetent so that uh, seeming less competent so that when you make mistakes, people won't be as angry or as surprised. That's a tactic. Sure. I can buy them doing that, too. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I just don't think people, most people see, see these politicians as, as incompetent as you do. I think, I think it's more common for people to just, ah, okay, he, he's weird. He's, he's kind of lame. Ah, oh, yeah, okay. He's our prime minister. Is this like the political way of peacocking? <laughs> like you have one gimmick and that gimmick becomes so you know relatable and like the thing you remember for and people think more about the thing than they think about what your policies are how would negging work on someone who's trying to come off as a moron <laughs> I'll bet your IQ is triple digits I mean, <laughs> just look how Trump acts on press conferences <laughs> that's all I'm gonna say yeah <laughs> it must be hard to neg people who like make their stupidity that's that's the game they're playing <laughs> that's the horse i'm yeah. horse i'm betting on it's like you know when i'm playing dota and like some people are like yelling at me angry like why am i playing in this bracket and being so bad and i'm like i'm i'm here because i'm bad what's your excuse and then they're like i'm not one to talk anymore you're in good company yeah politicians be stupid man um, and I mean, we, we see this more in the, you know, we, we're living in a time in which your position on QAnon is, um, an actual question. <laughs> that's, um, yeah, that's an interesting thing. There are so many crazy, crazy people entering politics. And it's a bit harder to know about, you know, the Americans here because a lot of the QAnon politicians are new it's not like you know it's the old guard that's flipping yeah so, no, so they are a, pouring into so, so, so these politics. might be just legit really stupid people who are getting elected in because they're willing to be racist enough yeah but again take take america um because we've been seeing a real wave of you know just legit insane people entering american politics marjorie T T taylor green uh Lauren Boebert, all these other psychos. There, there's a guy who used to sexually abuse his students who's apparently running for governor or something. <sighs> all Republicans, of course. Uh, and 
when you look at those people, the the people who voted for them, by all means, uh, American politics is so messed up. So, you know, I'm pretty sure a a dog won the mayoral mayoral race of a town once. So it doesn't take a lot in order to be an elected official in America. But I think when people... And also in America, you have a very, very clear dividing line between, you know, the so-called left and the right, between Democrats and Republicans. So people are much more prone in America, I think, to just, I don't know, I'm a Republican. I vote for this guy or this woman. Uh, But I don't think the people voting for those candidates, I don't think they're thinking, yeah, this person seems dumb. He or, she, I mean, he, he or she can't be that dangerous. Obviously, they're not thinking that. I think they're seeing they're those just... aggressive, stupid traits and recognizing recognizing them in themselves and embracing that. Yeah, this person is more like me. I want people more like me. And I want someone loud. And I mean, in American politics, that makes a lot of sense to me because, you know, you have people who... They're, they're out there on, like, edge issues, like... QAnon, like that—that's an issue. I, I can still not fathom that I live in a world in which my mom knows what the QAnon conspiracy is. That shouldn't be needed. Uh, but I mean, I'm so glad we live in Norway because half my family would be QAnon believers. Uh, but you know, there we have more—you know—the classical thing where we have like, you know, oh, I'm just, you know. Uh, a poor country lawyer or whatever the fuck you know his uh, Giuliani's thing was you know you have those politicians and like they have their you know campaign video and they're like on, if, if on only I fa- weren't so folksy and they're on their farm and they're like milking a goat and they're like shooting owls or some sh- like <laughs> <laughs> shooting owls <laughs> that does sound like something they would yeah. do and and like to me that makes sense because it seems folksy it's trying to relate to you know the hobbies and the, the everyday life of rural workers. But, like, they're doing that. It's not like, you know, they're walking across, you know, their farm and then accidentally, like, uh, you know, falling, like, crashing into something or, like, something out of a slapstick movie. And I feel like some of these politicians, they're, like, almost there. Like, Boris Johnson seemed more like, you know, he should be in a movie with Charlie Chaplin. Well, yeah, but just... I mean, again, I'm returning to America, but that's where the easiest examples can be. The lowest hanging fruit. Yeah, the lowest hanging fruit. Because in America, it's so simple. I think you just need to be, you need to be loud, aggressive, and you need to say the same talking points as, you know, the people you're trying to, trying to get with. And just being loud and aggressive is enough. And uh, I think... Yeah, take Boris Johnson, for example. Like, he's a bit different. He comes off more as goofy, I think. Uh, yeah, and I think that makes people like him more. Like, he's a politician. He he should be a really serious dude, but he can. we could probably have a beard together. Us and George W. Bush. He's the prime. He's the prime real you example. weed with that guy. Yeah, I've seen Harold Kumar go to Guantanamo. <laughs> You know is up in it. I, I'm wondering if there's some truth to what you said about the dog. Like, I know at least there's like a place. The dog? Yeah, the dog that's mayor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's a couple of places in America, I think, where like, you don't necessarily have to be a person to be, be the mayor. But the mayor is, you know, technically not the mayor. It's just, you know, an icon. But 
I'm wondering if that says something about maybe not all of us, like because people interested in politics they they think differently, but maybe when people that a lot of people want something in their leader that are less like politics and more like you know, oh let's have that dog be a mayor, mayor. that would be nice and cute and adorable and like that's the line of thinking they're going through not like anything according with politics and therefore applying to like an aesthetic in that way is more relevant to a larger group of people than your actual political opinions yeah i think so and uh yeah i i think people's basic level of respect for you know political office is just so low i don't think people have the respect for the political offices that they should and i don't mean respect for the people holding those positions but respect for the power held within those positions because i mean again take the usa uh the far right have been just pushing through judicial appoint appointments and you know just infesting american politics with their representatives and uh yeah, I forgot my line of thought, but I think uh, I think because people don't really, I, I think they have this mentality that ah, no matter what happens, it's it's mostly the same. People should know better, absolutely. Just look at the last five years, but they don't. I think they, in a lot of circumstances, especially in local elections, I think they just yeah, no, I want something different. I don't want Joe Biden or uh, Pete Buttigieg or uh, uh, Amy Klobuchar. I want I want Trump. I want someone loud. I want someone who uses caps lock exclusively. I want someone who writes all their letters in Comic Sans just because they can. That's a typographic nightmare. <laughs> no, that's a like political case that would be interesting. Yeah, I think that. Comic sounds we did have a president who wrote who wrote, who wrote on the weather report with a sharpie. So that is true. There's that. Uh, but I think that like you know the being loud and being relatable. That's that's something that's always been there, at least for like a certain point of people. They they want something that that yell loud. They don't really know what they want them to yell because they're angry. But if they're yelling, that's good enough. Uh, but I feel like, you know, we, we have this almost new group that are like on a different level of weird. And maybe this is just because like the politics are getting so weird with like, you know, but Q QAnon and critical race theory and, you know, non-issues that are made into different issues and, you know, the whole 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 st stupidity of making things but i'm feeling like i mean i sh basically should have taken this into context as well but have you ever like heard about the guy who was i can't remember what he was but he was like basically one of the uh, guys running putin's uh, russia uh, and and you know his his idea was to make everything in politics so crazy that you couldn't believe anything uh, I should probably watch this, like the the clip about him, uh, like again. But 
it's this weird theory that like almost like you make politics like the Chewbacca defense that when when nothing makes sense people just check out and and, and that's like how he's been running you know both the opposition in Russia as well as like the current government and you know he has a theater yeah, background I, I think that's exactly what's happening and and maybe sure. we're starting to see the time in which this is now you know the predominant strategy in uh, the West as well. Yeah, I mean, just look at the success they've had in America. Like, again, back to America. But we have people at the highest level of government in the USA who believe that Jewish space lasers are messing with people, who believe that this QAnon twat from 4chan uh, is an actual serious person. Of course, we have plenty of people who are just exploiting I never it. should have made that post 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, we have plenty of people who are exploiting it, of course, but uh, just to gain yeah. support from the but voters. But I would argue there are seriously people at, at this level of thought. I and, would argue and they are functioning. that America is a bit different because in America, I believe that those people believe those things. Yeah, but, but do, do you think Marjorie Taylor Greene, for example, do you think she believes a single fucking word she says? Or Lauren Boebert? Lauren Boebert, she's the one who uh, you know helped facilitate the January 6th attack. She held tours for her family and stuff in the I days mean, before. She's, I, I'm she's, not going to give a response for everybody, but I wouldn't be surprised if majority of the people in America... Especially now, I'm when, talking about the politicians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I when I say in America, I mean like not the population. I mean the the, the political class, okay. so to speak, and that the majority of them actually believe these things. Uh, especially since there was kind of like a large exodus, and it's you know been going on since Trump. But you know, with the Tea Party, with like people without experience, basically throwing out the the old ruling class. And the fact that so many of them are, you know, that, that new or that green, uh, no pun intended, uh, to this field tells me that, you know, it's not a planned grift. They just went into this and had, you know, the right... I think it's a mix. Uh, I'm not saying there are non-grifters, but, you know... I uh, think there are... Pl- I think the majority of them are grifters. I think... Uh, even though anyone, literally anyone, as Donald Trump has proven, <laughs> even though literally anyone can enter politics, uh, I still think that a greater portion of them are, you know, they're predators, sharks. They smell blood, they come swimming. And they see an opportunity to, to become a congressman or a fucking senator and realize that, hey, I'm a slime bag. And I'm perfectly equipped to actually do this. And once I'm there, <laughs> I'm set for life. And yeah, I think that cynicism is uh, more, much more prevalent than the people who genuinely believe in what they're saying. I, I'm sure there are people who believe in what they're saying too. But I think for the most part, the people who... I think for the most part, the people who really believe in that shit, they aren't able to get inside, to make that final step into the chambers of Congress. Well, unless it's through a window, I guess. Uh, so, 
the hundred million dollar question. Who is Q? Now, the, the question is... It's Desmond Levelin, of course. How do we change this? Like, is politics just doomed to spiral down in this hole? Or is it more a consequence of trying to make people check out as much as they can? And if that's the case, like, how can you turn that around? I think yes and yes. I think it's a very... I think it's a very intentional move, you know, to, like you said, the Russian KGB dude who who upset, um, just made a mess of the political sphere. It's just theater. Yeah, I think that's part of it, just mess things up so that normal, decent, upstanding people uh, just don't have the energy to, you know, interact and deal with it. Uh, but also I think it's a symptom of symptom of a fatal disease that's going to kill America, I think. I think we're seeing, you know, several sy- symptoms now, and this is one of them, uh, of a dying America. I think so. I, I think within within the next decade, the USA is going to be changed in a, dare I say, revolutionary way. The worst revolutionary way possible, I so, think. So, so we believe that, like... What's the what's the thing now? I know that like you know, there's just like people are you know claiming that you know the world will end on certain dates. They're claiming that you know Trump will come back and remove Biden from office and arrest him. What's the current date? I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, God Emperor is coming back. Isn't it fuck? He might be back. Yeah, I I like he might actually as come things back. Things are going now. I'm not surprised if he if he wins twenty four. You think he's gonna run? He hasn't shown any will not to, and I mean, Biden is doing the Biden thing. He's he's not gonna be that popular. Yeah, the thing is, I mean, I'm still dead set on him. Biden is gonna finish his one year term, his one the first year of his term, and then he's gonna give it to the VP. Prediction, official prediction, one year. I mean, that's might be what he wants to do. But uh, like maybe two. Okay. La- the, the the reason he wa- doesn't make it halfway through his like term. if we get to the, to the election and like Trump is Trump is surging in popularity again. I'm pretty sure that the Democrats will tell Biden to keep running because they they don't want to risk everything on a black woman. <sighs> Can you? How old? How old is Biden now? He's he doesn't s- even know. Seventy eight, I think. Seventy seven or seventy eight. He'll be more than 80 by the time he dies running for president the second time. And why doesn't he make that as a quirk that works to him election-wise? <laughs> hey, look at me. My mind is <laughs> my mind is a rambling abyss. Like, it's his, falling his apart. His hair is just as messed up uh, because he's just that old. <laughs> like, he should be able to make that work for him. This isn't incompetence. This is mental decline. I guess he doesn't have the body to hide in the cupboard, but... <laughs> <sighs> 80 fucking years old. They really shouldn't be able to control a country when they're more than 70 years old. What the fuck, Matthew? What are we doing? I mean, technically it's not us, but yes. Like, would you would you allow your 80-year-old grandpa to drive a truck? Or a school bus? Or, you know, carry groceries? No, you wouldn't. I mean... 
Would you trust them to read? But that guy, we're going to give control of the nuclear codes. I mean... The guy who falls asleep maybe, during maybe, a climate Maybe that's summit. why. They want somebody that won't remember the code so they won't accidentally make a war. And the alternative? A greased-up orange monkey who's... I mean, he's, he's not young. <laughs> <sighs> what if he runs again and wins, Matthew? Can you imagine? Can you imagine how... We're just going to cut. have to cut our internet. We're going to have to move to China and ask for some censorship. Please, Chi Poo. Please, Chi. Please censor us. I don't want to see any more of this. I think you have burned that wall, so to speak. Yeah, get fucked, Chi Poo. You and the CCP, Taiwan number one. <laughs> Cancelled. Uh, Taiwan number one. Fuck you, China. That's also the weird thing where, like, if this continues, like, in the entire West, mm -hmm. the most respectable politicians will be from dictatorships. Yeah, it's not a good sign when, you know, the leaders of the most prominent nations on Earth are acting this way. They are either acting like absolute morons, like Trump, uh, Biden... You say acting. Johnson, well, behaving like morons. They're either doing that or they are just straight up psychopaths like Putin and Chipu. Like straight up psychopaths, just not good people. Uh, I wonder if Putin will ever die or will he just wither? I mean, there's a question here if like politics is doomed to be this way especially in like capitalist structure and i know we talk about this way but like it came into my mind now that uh, like i was watching some videos about narrative theory and like you know how stories work and they were, were talking about essentially you know game of thrones and the themes of game of thrones and basically you know concluded that the theme of game of thrones is you know how can honorable people rule if you need to be dishonorable to take power? And I feel like that's a problem we're having in real life as well. You should watch Vikings. I think uh, Ragnar tells his son at one point that uh, power is only available to those who are willing to lower themselves to pick it up. Yeah. I think that's... Yeah. <laughs> it has a ring of truth in it. Watch Vikings. It's pretty cool. We're screwed. So, going forward, do yes. we need... Because I really do think... I mean, um, we talked about voter part participation before and how voting is down in general. Yeah. I mean, it was... I think they had more... Ironically, uh, America is the exception. I think their election had a record attendance. I think this, that's because, this time. like, their, their attendance is so low, so... Uh, yeah, we're lowering the bar. <laughs> it was the record highest in the USA. Not in general, I think. I think they came close to 80% attendance this election or something. No, no, no. It must have been way lower. Was? Maybe maybe, maybe ours here in Norway was yeah. 80. Yeah, okay, yeah. I think it was I, I, I would more be, like 60, maybe. I wouldn't be surprised if their attendance were 50%. Oof. But going forward, are we going to see... Yeah, like I was saying, we do need people who are more relatable, who people, regular people, get more engaged with. And say what you will about Trump, Johnson, they do catch people's attention. And that's the problem of being, you know, one of the good guys, because 
the good guys, there's I mean, take Bernie Sanders. He's standing there and he's saying that, hey, we have some shit to deal with. It's really serious. We need to fix it right fucking now. Come on, people. But people don't want to listen to those guys. They want to listen to the guy with Cheeto dust in his hair. And yeah, the guy who looks like he was tossed into a wind tunnel. So how do we solve that going forward? I mean, I believe that the more theater-like they make politics, the more people will check out of it, which tends to favor, you know, one side. But do you think we can use populism to, I mean, as a tool for good? Because <laughs> populism today is in many ways something that ruins politics. Just, you know, just look at our elections here in Norway. Uh, even though they're pretty straight, you still have a lot of populist uh, populist rhetoric. Take the FRP, for example, the Progress Party. The, and, uh, it, yeah, it's what pulls people in, man. <laughs> they get pulled in to people like that. And I think in order to get engagement from people, you need to fire them up. And I think one of the few ways you can successfully fire people up right now is by, you know, going populist. And I don't think populism has to necessarily be a bad thing. As long as you fire people up about the right stuff. I mean, we talked about this a bit in our last episode. Uh, among other things. Yeah, among other things. But you need to fire people up and you need to get them moving. And like I said last episode, uh, one thing Trump has done right for you know his goals is that he gets people on their feet. <laughs> Ironically, considering who votes for him. <laughs> on their scooters. Uh, yeah, he gets people moving, and he gets them angry, he gets them engaged, he gets them voting. So, there's something there. I just don't know exactly how to, you know, turn it into something that's equally intense, but, you know, directed towards something mutually beneficial for all of us. I mean, that's why those people do really well, that, like, you know, they have the thinks thanks and the people with ideas and you know they have ideas of what policy they want to do and then they're like how can we create public outrage enough to that so that people care about this and then they go like and are like so the role-playing games your children are playing are demonic and will make them satanists so you should definitely vote for us that have Christian values so we, we can protect your children and ban these things because we believe in freedom. Um, and that's kind of how they do things. They, they, you know, create this outrage around things that are sexually non-cases and makes them the big talking points. I mean, 90% of their strategy is built around straw man arguments. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember. Do you remember Mass Effect, the porn simulator? Ah, with all the dicks. All the dicks. <laughs> yeah, I remember Fox News' segment uh, that said that yeah, in the Mass Effect you can uh, fully simulate sex with aliens. So I went into that game, you know, illegal zipper down. I was was so disappointed when I was presented with you know a love story where I could, you know, at worst or best. I could 
get some girl on girl for like five seconds. And then I had to play 70 more hours of the game in order to see another. <laughs> yeah. So buy the next game to get another scene. Why do we start talking about Mass Effect? All I'm thinking about are space boobs right now. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's the Mass Effect propaganda that oh, Fox News warned about. That sounds like a lovely place to end. Space boobs. Space boobs. Space boobs. Should we end it here? I think we should call this episode okay. Space Boobs. Then call it Space Boobs. Space.